Hey, I'm Steve Follin. Thanks for listening. This time, let's find out what it's like being freelance for illustrator Kirk Wallace. So, like, the reason that I learned what I have is because people shared their work online. There were, like, these rock stars that I would see as, like, my idols. Like, oh, my God, if I could ever get to that level, I would just be done. And so I, I learned everything from watching people. And so that's what I did was, like, I would share my work in an interesting manner to me, which was, like, you know, hopefully somebody can benefit from the way I'm presenting the way I do my work, which is kind of, like, showing my sketches, showing my ideas, showing that stuff. It's good because you're showing your work and, like, you're marketing yourself, but it's, like, it's also good because you're, like, trying to help people and show them something. Business-wise, a lot of it has been beneficial for me to just be really personable. Pretty often when they do come to me, it's because they're not looking to work with, like, a big agency with, like, project managers and art directors and, like, all this red tape. A lot of people come to freelancers now to work with freelancers because they get that personal sort of touch with things. Yeah, hey, how you doing? There's Kirk then. You'll hear more from him in a moment. Hope you are good and having a good week. We, um, Well, if you're listening to this as it goes out, then it's nearly Christmas and I hope you have a very nice break. But of course, the beauty of the internet and of podcasting is that you could be listening to this, you know, some far, far time into the future, in which case... I hope you had a good Christmas all that time ago in 2016. And if you didn't, you've probably got over it by now. Uh, so don't forget, beingfreelance.com is the website. You can search for us on all the usual podcast places as well. Make sure you hit subscribe. Jump onto our mailing list at beingfreelance.com as well. And remember, it's not about what the guest does. It's about how they get by being freelance. So just because, uh, I don't know, you're a coder and the guest is a graphic designer or an illustrator or a copywriter, or whatever doesn't matter it's about um it's about much more than that because this is i didn't mention this is episode 80 so let's crack on and talk to guest 80 based in boston in the states and that is illustrator kirk wallace hey kirk hello looking forward to it so how about we get started hearing how you got started being freelance sure i guess probably most freelance illustrators or most freelancers probably have kind of a weird alternative uh coming of of freelance but uh, i think mine might be a little weird as well so because i went to college at the normal time which is far too early for i think anyone um <laughs> and i i went to school for computer science uh and uh kind of like hardware engineering and stuff like that because i liked that I, I liked computers i thought that was you know something i could be good at and supposedly there was money in it so i did that and towards the end of that college time, I started taking this uh, this software engineering course where we kind of had to build a website, and of course, it was mainly the you know database engineering and stuff like that. That was the main task. But the, the stuff that I found to be most exciting for me was like the web design aspect of it and the CSS and and creating the logo for the site and maybe even the icons for the site and the color palette and stuff like that. That was sort of when I started realizing that I. I prefer aesthetic over, you know, engineering in a lot of ways. And of course, I, I also come from a world of comics and cartoons and skateboarding and, and punk rock music and all these things that sort of are uh, surrounded by their their visuals. So I always kind of doodled in my downtime, but never, ever seriously at all. Um, but so as I finished school, I started realizing how much I really liked web design. I got a job coming out of college doing some programming and stuff like that and it was okay but 
I always sort of wanted to do, you know, the advertising side of the job that I was at. And I, then I want, you know, I wanted to make the banners and I wanted to make the icons and I wanted to make the website layouts and stuff like that. So I did that for a few years, but I was still, I was just programming. And, and I, and I came into the online community of, you know, things like Forest at the time and, and Dribble, you know, making backgrounds for my, you know, wallpapers for my computer at the time and making icons for my dock and stuff like that. And I started realizing that I when I would share this stuff online, people liked it, and that was amazing to me. And so I kept doing it, and I kind of got, you know, addicted to the idea of sharing my work and then people, you know, getting something out of it, and therefore I would get something out of it, and there would be a conversation around it. So I'm still working this kind of whatever job, and I got, like, my first freelance gig, um, and I got, like, ripped off or whatever, and it was from this weird guy and I did this poster and it was uh but it was amazing it was it was I remember like right around that time understanding what design is so I got obsessed with design and I just started realizing like wow I think I actually found what I want to do which is such a relief I remember telling like friends (laughs) that I was like I know what I want to do that's such a relief but now I just need to figure out how to do it and I will do whatever the hell it takes to make sure it gets done so I just kind of became infatuated with design, ordered every book, read everything. Because I was coming from a deficit, and I had, like, so much to make up for because I hadn't, hadn't done it ever, uh, and I wanted to do it forever. So I was uh, I was pretty, you know, I felt screwed, so I really just dove into it. So, yeah, so I got some, like, freelance gigs that were, like, I remember being like, dude, what do I have to do with taxes? And, and I was like, I guess I just don't. And I was like, sometimes I get money on through eBay. So what's the difference between that and that? It's like I sold a painting, but so yeah, I, I did some posters and and things just never really slowed down for me from like that first gig. Um, it's just like every once in a while I would get a, a thing to do. So I must have done that. That must have been like sometime in 2012, maybe 2011. I worked that job for a year or two, and then I, you know, I picked up a freelance job for um, an online payroll company that I ended up being the creative director for for a couple years. And that's when I was like, all right, my career is now in design and in illustration. And I worked that for a while until last December. So pretty much a year ago was my last day at my full-time job, which was as creative director of a startup. And that was a great job, but I, I just kind of made the leap. Like it was the the problem was is that I kept saying to myself, if I could benefit from an extra eight hours a day, would I die of starvation or would it be beneficial for me? And there was a certain tipping point where it was like, yeah, no, all the there's a lot of jobs coming in that I have to say no to because I can only offer them, you know, from eight p.m. until midnight on weekdays and then all weekend. And I was doing that for a while. I was working like just absurd amount of hours and I loved it. I didn't mind at all. Um, My social life didn't love it, but I I figured it out and I worked like crazy. But there was a certain tipping point where it was just time to make that leap, so to speak. But it was, a lot of people say it's like a leap of faith and I I wouldn't say that for me. It was a safe jump because I, I had so much work Mm. coming in and so it felt like the right thing to do and now a year later I 
you know, there's ebbs and flows, but I, I certainly d am fine. Like I've got work booked out for the next couple of months and I'm really lucky. I don't know why it'll all come crashing down eventually, but <laughs> for now, you know, things are uh, working out. So yeah, it was a lot of just like, there was a tipping point that I took advantage of. I had a lot of foresight. I was very organized and planned about it. Um, it wasn't like this spur of the moment thing. And my departure from my full time was super good. They were wicked supportive. Um, I knew if I really came crawling back to them with my tail between my legs, they would help me out too. So there's a lot of safety around what I was doing. But yeah, that's my 10-minute story. Man. So when you were finding those uh, freelance gigs that you were doing on the side, where were they coming from? Just through the community or were you seeking stuff out? No, I have this super privileged perspective of not having to seek anything out yet to date. So, like, the reason that I learned what I have is because people shared their work online. And that was so wonderful for me to to see these people. There were, like, these rock stars that I would see as, like, my idols. Like, oh, my God, if I could ever get to that level, I would just be done. Um, and then I would see their Behance posts or their Dribble posts or their blogs or whatever kind of breaking down their process and showing, like, how they do it. That and, like, tutorials and stuff like that, all the information on the Internet. And so I... I learned everything from watching people and like reverse engineering their stuff. And so that's what I did was like I would share my work in an interesting manner to me, which was like, you know, hopefully somebody can benefit from the way I'm presenting the way I do my work, which is kind of like showing my sketches, showing my ideas, showing that stuff. And I think maybe that was something of a unique approach in the grand scheme of things. Like there's a lot of people doing that, of course, but maybe to the masses, it's more of a unique approach. And I think it's a little bit more sticky, a little bit more shareable because there's a little bit more substance. It's kind of a two-edged sword, or not a two-edged sword. It's more just like a twin blade of like two po <laughs> two positive things going where it's like, it's good because you're showing your work and like you're marketing yourself, but it's like, it's also good because you're like trying to help people and show them something that may be useful for them too, because no one cares to see my work. Like there's so much work out there. So I need to like give them something. So yeah, so I never had to like really, I haven't had a problem with seeking out work yet. A lot of it just comes, but a lot of it is from like this sort of like, I guess, passive marketing of just like sharing my work on all these social media websites of, you know, the whole gamut of them all. Um, and that's mm. kept me busy so far, for sure. And how have you evolved your website over the past year as to how you show your work so beyond just you know posting to whichever platforms how about your own site yeah um again like i come from the really organized train of thought of like uh every platform has a different reason and there's no like duplicate posting necessarily like i i do very little like copy paste like you know there's the whole like if this then that um API plugin stuff where it's like when I post to Instagram and also post to Twitter and also post to my website and also post to my blog and also post to Behance and all that, which is handy for many, I'm sure. But for me, I try to and – I, and I get a kick out of it of like organizing like, okay, Dribble is for this level of fidelity of how much it's done or how much it's not done. And, and Behance is for, you know, there's a – it's kind of like I have qualifiers of like the website gets the most – finished work and the most like uh you know proud or whatever whereas like maybe behance could be a little bit looser and i can kind of share things that i wouldn't normally put on the website and like something like instagram gets a ton of stuff and twitter gets you know different things like thoughts and and i so i try to and i write them down physically like 
what is Twitter for Kirk and his like quote unquote brand? Um, and what is Instagram for Kirk? And, and what, what, what is Instagram for Kirk's followers too? That's the other thing is like, what is everybody getting out of each platform? So, and that's evolved a ton. And, you know, with all the platforms we have, like the website has become much more of a, like I see it as like a plaque or like a, a framed version of everything where it's <laughs> kind of static. And like, ideally it would be nice if it was a little bit more dynamic and like, you know, blog posts and stuff like that. Cause Google would love that for <laughs> search and stuff like that. But I, I just don't, I let all of the social media sites and platforms be sort of like octopus arms that reach out, grab traffic and pull it back to the site. So I do try to keep like something left to give on the site. Like I, Otherwise, people would have no reason to go to the website. So I try to, like, almost, without being too BuzzFeedy, like, leave off a little bit on the Behance post and be like, there's more on the site if you want it. Because the site is the environment I've really set up where it's completely controlled by me. There's no distractions. And I know, like, once they get there, they're only seeing what I want them to see. So mm-hmm. ultimately, the goal is for them to get there. But um, just driving people straight to a site is just impossible. So, you know, that's where all these social media platforms are great arms or tools. That's a great way of looking at it. So if the work's coming to you, what kind of work are you doing? I mainly work, um, I work on a lot of, I guess what I kind of started calling, and and I'm sure there's a better term for it, but I I work on a lot of like brand illustration and, you know, mascots as well. I work with a lot of startups. I work with a lot of established brands. I also do like, I'm working on a children's book now. I do a lot of, animations, um, you know, like explainer videos, and I do a lot of icon work and, and, and ads. I do a lot of ad campaigns um, with agencies and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Um, but I would say it boils down to like mascots, ad campaigns, uh, and, and brand illustration and, and art direction kind of in that vein as well. And how important is your shop to you? It's extremely important to my heart. Like, it's really near and dear for me. Um, It's not uh, financially. I don't depend on it financially at all. Um, I think, like, I remember being, like, really impressed at the end of last year and seeing, like, I made, like, a couple thousand dollars for it. I think it might have been, like, four or five thousand dollars on it. And I was like, holy moly, that's a lot, like, just selling paper. I was really proud because I, again, like, it's really hard for me to be like, hey, go buy this in my shop. So I don't really push it a whole lot. Um, I try to let it be more like, hey, if you think that this is something that's kind of neat and maybe could be up on your wall, then like that would be really great if you would buy it. So, hmm. um, so I was really impressed when I, you know, had some sales. And anytime a sale comes in, I'm like, it's so great because, but it, but it's hard to justify spending a lot of time on it because, um, you know, I am getting work that's you know pays a lot better, and it's like, why am I going to spend all this time on a shop item that? may or may not do well and it's going to take me 20 hours to get it done and then maybe three people buy it and I get 60 bucks as a result. But I love it so much and I don't want to let it go anywhere. But, you know, ideally it'd be great if like every month I came up with a new series of posters or prints and like, you know, it was a limited run of 100 and then everybody bought them and then I I got to spend all this time on the packaging and like writing notes to people and being like, hey, thank you for buying this (laughs) and like, you know, doing all these things and then they get it in their mail and then they take a picture of it and like Instagram and they're like, I just got this package and so great. And that's happened on a small scale and it's like one of the most amazing things ever. But but I also realized, like I remember telling somebody like, I don't think I'd be 
keen on like only having the shop either like because i like the challenge of like having because the shop has its challenges and and has its goals and it's still design oriented but like when i'm working for a client it's more mission based it's more objective and like i like that too because there's like then we can measure the results and measure the success and stuff like that so it's really fun in that regard so i don't think that like i'd ever want to do just one of these things but the shop is something that i think will always live um just it gets ignored sometimes and it gets pushed really hard sometimes but financially it's not a thing necessarily how about the way that you actually work like do you work from home or i worked from home for a long time uh and that was fine for a long time i went to school locally so i was at home for that the first job i got out of school was working from home but i traveled the world with that job but it was like certain weeks out of the year I would travel a ton. So it was like the best of both worlds because it like got me out of the house. But then like when I came back, I would just like sit at home and work. And then that creative director job I had was out of home. And then I went straight into freelance. So I've like, I mean, I was like, I worked at a restaurant like when I was in high school. So I've done that. But otherwise, like I've never like really worked in like outside of my house. So, <laughs> but in last December, I got a studio space, um, like a 25, 30 minute away from my house. Um, and that has, like, changed my life, like, entirely. How come? It's awesome here. It, it's it's separated the two. Like, I was unhealthy working. Like, I, it, it's so hard for me to work at home because it's like, why am I not working right now? Why am I sitting downstairs watching TV or playing a video game? Like, my desk is up there. Let's go work. Like, I just always felt guilty, like, all the time for not working when I was at home because my office was just, like, upstairs. Not to mention, like, I was, like, working from home and also like it was like my bedroom so it's like sleeping and working and also like trying to hang out in there and it was like way too much going on um and it worked for like years but it started affecting me for sure my productivity was less and stuff like that um so once I got the studio space it like it was also when I quit the job and I was like I want this whole thing to feel like a, a new development like I'm doing something um, rather than like, I already quit my job and now I'm freelance and I'm still in the same exact spot and I'm still sleeping where I work. And so I found this studio space, which is like, it's a really cheap spot. It's really great. It's big. I'm sharing it with a best friend of mine and it's, I get to make it exactly what I want it to be. And I get to work here. And then when I'm done with working, I can leave all my stuff out and come back to it tomorrow. And like, it's so nice not having to clean up at the end of the day because I have to turn my office into my bedroom or anything like that. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, the studio space, like, the money has been so worth it. Like, the, my productivity has probably increased, like, by, you know, 300% or whatever, just having it. The commute is better for my brain to be able to, like, clear my head before I get started. Um, I still have, a you know, a little office in the basement, when I need to, you know, living in Massachusetts, it's going to get snowy and there's certain times that I just don't want to deal with it. Uh, but it's definitely a much better separation of, of work and play balance now with the studio space. And I can't recommend it enough, provided that you're feeling the... Because I feel like for a certain amount of time, it's good to work at home. Like you save money and it's fine. But once you start feeling the grogginess of like, uh, like, uh, everything just kind of starts sucking, then you got to change something. And a studio space is so great. And there's tons out there. Like they don't have to be fancy, like WeWorks or anything like that. Like mine's just like a big old paper mill 
that I painted and made look really nice and I love it. And uh, it's all, all you need is it just needs heat. Cool. Do you only work alone or do you collaborate? I, well, now I have the benefit of being able to be like, yeah, come over to the studio and, you know, hang out. We can work together and stuff like that with my small extended, you know, family of illustrators and stuff like that. But for the most part, I am happy alone and I am okay and I work best alone. I'm really easily distracted. Uh, I certainly, you know, I definitely, it takes me a while. It's like, it takes me like a half hour to like ramp up to productivity. So like, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, we'll take a break every hour and go walk around. It's like, no, you don't realize like I have like this like workup time where like once I hit peak productivity, I need to just like stay in it and like work for 10 hours straight and just like stay cruising at that, that altitude. And then I'll take my break and take a long break. But like my, like the studio mate is a sound designer um, and he and I, you know, I can bounce ideas off him and like, Digitally, um, or digitally, like online, Skype and stuff like that, like and, and Google Chat and stuff like that. I have plenty of people that I'm talking to all day and always like sharing stuff back and forth. Um, and you know, I tell them to tear things apart, and I tear their stuff apart, and it's it's hugely, hugely, hugely beneficial to bounce that stuff back and forth. Mm. You mentioned getting ripped off with your very first client. How have you managed like the business, the finance side of it? I mean, reading books, learning the right way to do it, and then doing the wrong way, and like, and then trying to like break the rules, and like just this whole mess of like just like guess and check, and and then there's standards, right? Like, and there's and there's there's variable pricing if you're working for mom and pops or you're working for, you know, Nike. Those are two, you know, those can be two different pricing points, and you just learn. Like, I mean, that first job was let's say it was in 2012, and that's being a little bit um, late. Uh, but even in 2012, you know, that's four years ago. So I've got four years of, like, screwing this up pretty bad. Um, and But I have a ton of information. I have a ton of internet. I have a ton of Googling. I have a ton of friends that have done this before. Everyone is so damn nice and happy to share it. And everybody wants the industry to be better, right? Like, nobody wants someone to get lowballed on a price because then it just kind of just damages the industry as a whole. So everybody's trying to make sure everyone's getting paid what they should be getting paid. So like people are willing to tell that information. So for me, um, you know, it's, it's just having to like spend a day learning something and like, that's okay. Like I had to learn about contracts and agreements. Like for a long time, I didn't even bother. But then once I did it once, I found the benefit of it. And I was like, oh, I'll never not do that again. And same thing with pricing of like, when you're thinking like, oh, should I quote, you know, I was going to do 2000 for it. And then, you know, you ask three people and they're like, well, I just did the same job. And I quoted, you know, 10,000 or 20,000 for it. You're like, oh, I'll try it. And, and it's not a matter of like, I'll try it because like, I'll see if I can get away with it. It's like, that is what I should be getting paid for. But I, it sounds like so much money because I'm doing what I love and I'm just drawing. So like, how could anyone pay me the right amount? But like, that's the, you know, that's the pay that they should be paying because that's the benefit they're getting with the product. Like, that's what it's worth. But you feel like you're doing something wrong. But then they're like, yeah, cool, right. That's in our budget. And you're like, whoa, okay, so now I know, you know, now I've got that benchmark. Then you get your confidence where, like, you know that this is how much something should be paid for. And you know that, like, this is a reasonable timeline. And you just manage it and— and I think, like, for me, business-wise, a lot of it has been beneficial for me to just be really personable and, like, helpful and, like, 
it's not saying like, oh, you can call me any time of the day, but it's like, my goal is to make sure that these people are benefiting from working for me. And pretty often when they do come to me, it's because they're not looking to work with like a big agency with like project managers and art directors and like all this red tape. A lot of people come to freelancers now to work with freelancers because they get that personal sort of touch with things. So um, for me, like the business side has not – I wouldn't say it's been a struggle. It's a pain in the ass, but it's not like <laughs> – it's not a sh- struggle because uh, everything you want to know is on the on the internet. Like nothing's a struggle anymore. Like it's just a matter of if you have the motivation to do it or if you're lazy or if you're not. And, and that's a privileged point of view, right? Because I know there's people that are struggling because of a number of other reasons. And it's not to say like, oh, if you're not successful, it's because you're lazy. But it's just like nobody should ever be like, how do I do something? Because it's like you just type it into the internet or you ask somebody and they'll tell you. So for me, I just I owe everything to like, you know, information being free and out there. Mm. Um, so it's been, you know, the business side has been cool. Like, it's it's not really that bad. You, f- you start feeling, you puff your chest out a little bit about it, and you start feeling kind of proud that you're able to figure it out and do it. And then when it works, and, like, a check comes in, and then you deposit it, and then, like, it like no one's taking it away from you because you're always like, well, maybe they're going to hate the product, and then they're going to, like, sue me or something like that. And then they, like, email you and like, hey, here's the metrics that just increased, like, 300 times since we implemented what you worked on. You're like, holy moly, like, I actually did something beneficial. They benefited. I got paid and everything. I'm not, I didn't get put in jail. <laughs> like, you start feeling really proud of yourself. So the, the business side is fun in a certain different way. It's a different challenge. Yeah. Awesome. Now, I always do this thing where I ask for three facts about yourself, make two true, one a lie, and let me figure out the lie. What have you got for me? I'm mixing them up. I wrote them down in one particular order. And I'm saying them in a different order. Just, so in, just in case. <laughs> yeah, don't try to think that like I put the lie in the middle or in the beginning and the end. You don't know because I don't know. So <laughs> get off your high horse. You ain't going to get this one. Um, <laughs> all right. I have never drank coffee or alcohol. I've never been drunk. I've never been high. I've never smoked cigarettes. I've never had coffee. Um, I mean, I guess I drink soda, but... But otherwise, I've never been high, never been drunk, never drank coffee, none of that, um, ever. Uh, one time, I successfully jumped a subway track, like in a subway. I jumped over that. What, from one platform to the other? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I don't know how to describe that better than what you just did, from <laughs> one platform to the other. And one time, uh, Wired, uh, uh, one of Wired's publications wrote an article about me. You jumped a subway. Why would you jump a subway? Because well, I've got this dickhead friend who thinks he's so great. And so, like, whenever – because I live in Boston or, like, I live outside of Boston. And he – whenever we would go to, like, go see a show, he'd be like, I could jump over that. And I'd be like, no, you can't. There's no way you can jump over that. Like, And it, it, he's not – I mean, he's sporty, but, like, he doesn't <laughs> jump all the time. And so I was like, dude, there's no way you can do it. And so finally, after like a ton of research, we he jumped over a bunch of parking lot spots and, and then I started doing it too. And then we decided that we'd go late at night and jump over it and he did it. And I was like, this is horseshit. Like everything I know is a lie now. And so I ran and did it as well because screw him if he thinks he can do it and I can't. Turns out it wasn't the worst thing in the world and you can do it and 
I thought you couldn't, but I, I guess it's good that I did it. But I'm kind of upset that I jumped over it because, like, now he was right or whatever. Right. We don't recommend anybody does that. But if you ever no, find but you can do it if you want to. Apparently, and if, I guess the sky's the limit. So do whatever you want. If you find yourself in some sort of born identity kind of scenario yeah. where you really need to jump the tracks, it's doable. Okay. Yeah, jump it. Uh, you were featured in Wired. I mean, that's possible. I don't know. Uh, you've you've illustrated for some really cool clients you do really cool stuff uh coffee alcohol <sighs> why have you never you've never tried coffee no or you tried it and you it didn't smells like, it. like garbage oh so, you so don't like why would i drink garbage but you never tried alcohol or cigarettes yeah i mean what cigarettes i can't you know everybody knows they're bad for you but alcohol, or any other substance i mean i know alcohol isn't good for you but it's just one of those things. I mean, you've, that's incredible willpower to not be drawn in to that. Oh, man. You see, that not it awful that it's that one which <laughs> I'm <laughs> It's like, of course you've destroyed your body. <laughs> I, yeah. I, I simply can't believe that somebody has, has managed to, I don't know how old you are, but equally... 28. To, to survive into adulthood without... To, <laughs> I think that first one is the lie. Coffee, alcohol, cigarettes. Not true. That is true. No, oh, man! I did it. So which is the lie? Oh, so like that disclaimer that we said where like, oh, you can jump over a thing. I don't know if that's true, so don't actually try to do it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was good. You got me good and proper. Um... Wow, you've never... I mean, you must have saved a fortune on not drinking alcohol for a start. I think That's... so. Every once in a while, I buy some dumb shit. Like, I bought these, like, these Hue light bulbs that are, like, expensive, but, like, they're the coolest thing ever, and they, like, change colors, and you can control them with your phone and stuff, and they're, like, expensive. But I was, like, I always, I'm, like, well, but, like, I don't know. Like, I just watched my friend, like, spend, like, you know, $70 <laughs> last night drinking a bunch, and, like, where is that? Like, it's all gone now. So I'm, like, so I guess I can do that. So I have, like, <laughs> felt that way. And it's not, like, I'm not, you know... It's not a high and mighty thing. I really don't want it to come off that way. It's just the choice that I yeah. made. And it's because, like, it's an alternative way. It was like people told me, like, I should do it. So immediately my result was like, oh, no, I'm not going to do it then. So Right. Um, now, if you could tell your younger self one thing about being freelance, what would that be? I was – when I was on the way over here, I was trying to think of that. Like, I was – and, like, my brain – and this is interesting, the way that we think, like, or the way the whole stigma is, like, I was trying to think of, like – something that I would have to say of like, oh, make sure that you do it or make sure or like it's not as easy. But I think it came it down to like the advice would be that like it's not really it's not as hard. It's not that hard. Like it's not it's not a dream. Like it's not a total pipe dream. And again, like maybe that's me. Like I know there's people that have all sort of different things that make life harder and I have a lot of privileges and I'm so grateful for it. But um and it hasn't been like a cakewalk, but it it's I'm living like a, a low key dream um, for me. And I guess my advice is that like if you want to do something, you just have to like really work hard and get it done. But it's not impossible. Like it can work out pretty damn, you know, simply enough. So like it's not a pipe dream to work for yourself if that's what you want to do. Um, so rather than finding something where it's like taxes are harder than you actually think or like something like that, it's more like. 
Oh uh, yeah, if you whatever you want to do, like there's a pretty good chance that you can make it work um, within you know reality. I think, but even still, like I don't think I would have given myself the advice of like, oh, start learning design earlier, because I think my path that I made, like I really like that I went to school for computer science because I think if I got real bored with it in college, with if I went for design, maybe I would have ended up being like, I don't want to do this full time, you know. So maybe it's almost like. Maybe the advice is like go to some go to school for something you don't want to do because then it'll push you in the direction of what you do want to do. <laughs> you know, I guess the what I would say is that like you know you're probably going to do what you want to do because you're driven to do it, and, and it's not quite as simple as that, but it's it's not too bad. Check out beingfreelance.com for links through to what Kirk is up to and check out his work because it, it looks awesome. But I warn you, once you start staring at his animated GIFs on his homepage, you will be in a trance for some time. Like It's, it's hard. <laughs> it's, they are hypnotic. So beingfreelance.com. While you're there, don't forget to sign up for the newsletter. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss some. And uh, yeah, Kirk, thank you so much for your time and all the best being freelance. Ah, uh, Thank you. It was really fun. And yeah, anybody wants to reach out to me for anything at all anytime uh whatever email twitter instagram i don't care just talk to me and uh, let me help you in any way i can and this has been great thank you so much 